The Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2009. Here's Lillian sharing on Step 11. Um, good afternoon, all. My name is Lillian. I'm an alcoholic and um, sober by the grace of God in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I really love this step. Um, I think it's the rock and foundation of my sobriety and not just my sobriety, my maturity, my life, uh, my whole existence. And um, because it's about my relationship with God, it's about my relationship with myself and it's about my relationship with others and um, I can go anywhere in the world. Uh, um, and it's about a consciousness, it's not just necessarily about a ritual, um, which is why I said the other night, uh, in, in um, 26 and a half years of sobriety I have never been on my knees. And I'm not knocking people who, who, who do that. Um, but I was also saying I was in Townsville about five years ago and I was at a meeting and um, I was asked to be the first speaker that night. They called me as the visitor and I mentioned that about I had never been on my knees. And uh, everybody else got up and said, well, they were humble and they had been. <laughs> and I, I thought, oh, well, that's... Uh, you know, the first, guy, the first guy says, well, I you know, have to practice humility, therefore I got on my knees. The next one said, well, I do the same, you know, and I'm humble and that and things, and, you know. But um, sometimes, you know... Um, uh, self-publicity is not the best idea, is it? But anyway, um, like the previous mentioned speaker, uh, a previous speaker mentioned, um, time is important in that sense because I think that this is a, the steps are a transformational process. Um, it's not kind of you know stunning and surprising and immediate. And, and, and um, I hated the word God when I first came here. At my first meeting, um, there were two things I hated, as I said the other night, that my lawyer who defended me on a DUI charge for which I lost my licence for 15 months, I ended up in jail overnight, and I got a $400 fine. And um, the other thing was the idea of God. Because so I was born on an Aboriginal settlement in Queensland, and they had fundamentalist missionaries who came out and said, if you don't give your life to the Lord now, you will go to hell. So I associated my this idea of God with vengeance and vehemence and um, uh, punishment and when I picked up my first drink because it picked me up um, I loved it and um, God went out the window and I became God um, and I acted like God and so God had no place for me and um, my journey has been one of um, coming back to a God consciousness that I believe I was actually born with uh, but I denied and I, you know, sought, that's why I don't knock myself in terms of my drinking. I'm not particularly proud um, of uh, what I did in my drinking through blackout drinking, not knowing where I'd been, what I'd said, what I'd done, who I'd been with, etc. and that and things. But um, I was actually seeking something. And for me, my drinking was a spiritual search. I was just looking in the wrong place and looking through the wrong people and <clears throat> people, places and situations because I was looking externally. And if anything, this step 11 is for me about the kingdom within. I've come home to me. I've, I've discovered my own God consciousness, and it hasn't been easy. As I said, it's a transforma uh, transformative process. It's about transformation. Um, and I remember saying to my sponsor in my first six months, 
I too, like the last speaker, was intoxicated by alcohol. I was intoxicated by the atmosphere. I'm a person who lives off vibes and atmosphere, and I was intoxicated by AA. But after six months, I just absolutely just came down with a thud, and I knew intuitively that I would have to do more than stopping drinking. And that was doing something about my thinking, my thought. So there you know, had to be a total reversal process, a total transformative process. And uh, I said to my sponsor, I can't take this God bit, nor can I take this priest. She said, just pray, even if you feel like a hypocrite, just do it with, you know, um, clenched teeth. And she said, just do it. You don't have to like it, just do it. And I'm glad I was told. She didn't suggest it. She said, just do it, you know. That bossy Irish bitch, but anyway. <laughs> I loved her, you know. And every now and again I used to, because she'd tell me, you know, she'd tell me, and I needed to be told, because I knew it all, you know. And she wasn't scared of me either. She called my bluff, you know. And uh, I used to think, well, I won't, won't ring that bossy Irish bitch today. She'd tell me what to do and she could ring me. Well, you know, talk about having to uh, swallow humble pie. Um, I had to ring her in the end, you know, because, uh, yeah, she was getting on with her life. And um, But she was uh, one of those sermons that I saw in Alcoholics Anonymous who had what I wanted. And she had prayer and meditation, and I heard things in my early days that prayer was talking to God and meditation was listening to God. And um, I also had good other emotional and spiritual relatives and Alcoholics, Alcoholics Anonymous that I um, began to discover and get to know. And one of them, who's already died, said, um, he said to me in my very early days, for God's sake, slow down and have a love affair with yourself, Lily, and stop wanting to change the world and sober up the world and running around. And I was really taken aback. It was like a good Zen slap in the face, which is one of many I've needed. And the other thing he said to me, he said, You'd, you're the kind of person I believe would benefit from doing retreats. He said, they're not for everyone, but he said, I think they'd do, be very good for you. So when I was about 12... In my just around about the 12 month mark, I actually rang the Jesuits at Norwood and said, uh, where there was an AA meeting on the Friday night, and I said, I want to do a retreat, not knowing what it meant. And I went in there on the Friday night of the long weekend of um, the Queen's birthday holiday, and uh, I was greeted by this wonderful father, Jim McInerney, and he gave me a Bible and said, Read Psalm 139. And I said, oh, there's a big mistake here, Father. I said, I'm neither Catholic nor a Christian. And he said, well, just take it in case you need it. And I thought, need it? Well, what does he mean, need it? I won't need this. God, I'm here for a retreat. And he just showed me this room. He showed me this room. And, you know, and I was left to my own devices for nearly three days, you know. I was starting to think, God, even they hate me. <laughs> and I thought, what do you do here, you know. And I started thinking, you know. And I was mad, you know. It was my first 12, just over my first 12 months. And I turned to that psalm, and it's the most beautiful psalm. You know, it's about how wondrously and marvellously made we are. And, you know, if I ascend to the heights of heaven, lo, thou art there. If, and if I go to the depths of hell, even thou art there, God. And I thought, that just kind of made indelible footprints in my heart. And, you know, I just read that because I had nothing else to do. I walked around the Oval madly, you know, trying to you know, stop this thinking, this, this madness in my head. And so that was kind of all part of my uh, beginning. And um, 
yeah, and I was just kind of forced. You know, they say that pain is the touchstone of progress, and I was forced to this God of my understanding through pain because at 2 and 3 a.m. in the morning when no human power could relieve my alcoholism, but God could and would, he was, he was sought. I started to talk to God, and I had many questions, you know. Are you black? Are you white? Are you brindle? You know, uh, what kind of reveal yourself to me? Um, you know, you're male, female, or what? And, you know, I don't even have a concept or image today. That's a very intellectual approach for me. And I got bogged down in analysis paralysis. Uh, I nearly kind of got strangled by it, you know. I believe that God is life, truth, and love, and spirit, you know. And the God within you speaks to the God within me. Um, and that's what happens on Alcoholics Anonymous when we share, you know, our experience, strength, and hope. And I'm talking, you know, we all suffer from the human condition to that extent. And, yeah, so lots of things came to be. And um, as I said, I had an intense struggle with it in the beginning. And today, um, my life's really been turned around through prayer and meditation. Um, I don't have any ritual, as I said. I have a consciousness. I don't have um, a concept. Um, I just uh, talk to God like a mate. I've had some big fights with God, too. And you can actually fight with God, you know. People say you can't. But, you know, this program's about wholesomeness. It's not about piousness. It's very easy for me to get very pious and think I know it all. And I'll illustrate this because this is what I mean about being told. And sometimes I just had to be told, you know, uh, um, uh, by people who called a spade a spade. I was actually sharing a house when I was about six years sober with an Irishman an Irish Catholic guy who swore like mad and it didn't sound like when he him swearing and um, an Aboriginal guy, uh, he also swore and, um, you know, I swore and um, it was okay while I was swearing but I decided to become spiritual and give up swearing on a week and I was going to give up smoking the following week and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing worse than a self-righteous alcoholic <laughs> And, um, you know, after a couple of days, I was really offended by the fact that they hadn't stopped swearing and I had. And, um, and Cyril, the Aboriginal guy, and they'd be both sober, you know, about five years more than me. And uh, Cyril, the Aboriginal guy, just said to me one day, he said, what's wrong with you, Lil? You know, and you and your bad vibes, he said. And that I said, well, Cyril, just in case you haven't noticed, I'm trying to become spiritual, you know. <laughs> and I, I've given, given up swearing and I intend to give up smoking, you know. But I said, if you really want to know what um, 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 really offends me, I said, the fa- it's the fact that you and Peter still swear. And he said, oh, he said, is that all it is? He said, oh, fuck off and get real, will you? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. And if that isn't God working through people, I don't know what is. I tell you. And I just needed it, and I burst into laughter, and he said, yeah, it's about time you laughed. He said, you know, he said, you're a real pain when you take yourself seriously. He said, you are such a pain. He said, we love you as you are. He said, stop trying so hard, Lil. And this is what I've had to do, is not try so hard. You know, it's not saints that anonymous, and, you know, it's... And I've had some wonderful incidents along the way, and I've been told, and I've had people say, you know, the same kind of things along the same line, so... I've been truly and richly and abundantly blessed and um, I have gone conscious today in the sense that um, I know that I can't do it alone. And, you know, humility to me, you know, when I was talking about getting on my knees, humility actually for me is a consciousness also. Humility, I've heard, is um, 
the knowledge of your own limitations. And when I was drinking and when I was into student politics and I was a Marxist Leninist and things like that, I was God, I didn't need God. You know, didn't Marx say that um, religion was the opium of the people, the opiates of the people, you know? And I had all these jargonistic phrases and things like that and I just hated anybody who um, mentioned the word God. And today um, I just want to be kind of aware of God in the sense of the, you know, the fact that God, the God within you speaks to the God within me, you know? And, you know, we, we're connected by the spirit in that sense. And the meditation bit, well, uh, that's the other thing, you know, when the pupil is willing, the teacher appears. And I was about five or six years sober, and this bloke said to me, he said, he had meditated regularly. I said, how do you do that? And he said, I said, I've never done it. I said, I can't sit still. And he said, just try it for three to five minutes every morning. Just sit still. Just be still. And I started to do that. And it's, it's, it's not about, you know, being kind of like prisoner to your thoughts. It's just about letting them go. And I think that meditation is many things. And the beauty of the steps, I like the spirit of the steps because they're a qualitative aspect of um, existence, of consciousness. I don't believe they're a quantitative ticking off process. I've done that, I've done this and that and things. It's actually, you know, it's been open. It's been open to the letter of the spirit rather than the letter of the law. And I don't like a quantitative clinical or mechanical approach to it. I've never done that. I mean, I've really messed up badly from time to time. But um, after I spoke on Friday night, somebody said to me, as you're a person who likes quotes, he said, I wanted to talk, tell you this wonderful quote from William Blake. And I thought it was wonderful because it said that the roads to excess... Uh, lead to the palaces of wisdom and I thought wow you know so that says to me it's just the same kind of saying as you know the greater the sinner the greater the saint so the greater the pendulum has swung out there the more damage you've done the more grist for the mill to work with and that's how I said you know the greater the sinner the greater the saint and think so I've just had to go to God in um, you know and just kind of like Prayer for me is yielding to God. It's about getting out of the way of me and uh, just letting go. And um, because I'm just such a rescue and a controller, and and you know, and sometimes I don't find the answers at the time, but I do in time. And it's a most wonderful process. And one day I was going mad with analysis paralysis, wanting to look for, um, you know, wanting to have immediate answers, as I often did. And um, I picked up the Al-Anon book because I've done Al-Anon too over the years. And I just opened up and I allow a book to talk to me rather than to try to find the answer and say, well, I'm looking for this subject or whatever. I just allow it to speak to me. And um, it opened up and it had this wonderful saying by Confucius. It's had before enlightenment chop wood, after enlightenment chop wood, you know. <laughs> and that's all it is, you know, because I'm looking for this absolute, you know, zen kind of like body experience or something, a spiritual awakening, you know, and I'll be so wise and everybody will recognise it. And it's not like that at all, you know. It's not like that at all. And, um, yeah. Uh, and I just wanted to say, too, that last year I attended the Happiness Conference in Sydney and there was this wonderful Buddhist nun talking. And she talked about relationships and happiness. And it reminded me when Paul um, was speaking just before, um, you know, how people irritated me. You know, irritate um, They can irritate the Brits out of me, I tell you, you know, from time to time. Um, I think it was Jean-Paul Sartre who said, who said, 
that hell is other people. You know, and I could really relate to that from time to time. Yeah. I was, I was at the 1990 convention in Seattle and uh, there was a wonderful badge there which said, made a list of all persons we had harmed and humbly asked God to remove them all. <laughs> and I, I, I used to think, you know, I, 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 I could be just so spiritual. I could be so spiritual if God had just get them out of the road, you know? And, you know, I could be really spiritual if people are like. It's the ones. And this nun talked about relationships and she said, you know, it's the rubbing up against one another in terms of relationships and she said if you want to bring the beauty and the grain out of a piece of wood you actually use a piece of sandflower uh, sandpaper I should say you don't use use um, um, you know a nylon stocking you don't use silk you use paper and it rubs up against but it finally brings the beauty and the grain out of it and that's what I believe prayer and meditation does and that's my what I believe my relationships do you know even though I'd rather avoid some of them you know and um, but if I you know if I have prayer and meditation and that to me is the conscious constant capacity to know God or to be aware of the presence of God and that I'm not running the show then hopefully I can do it with a certain sense of grace and dignity and wisdom thank you and other shares like it are available from our website stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.